you're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo-development, and everything in between. All right, welcome to The Bounding Box. Today, I'm joined by none other than Jim Barry. So, Jim Barry, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. What's your problem? <laughs> What's my problem? <laughs> hey, Renee. Hey, thanks. Um, yeah, my name is Jim Barry. I work at Esri. I've been here 28 years. I started in 94. And I currently am a solution engineer on our infrastructure sales team, where I work uh, primarily with railroads. So I work with lots of different railroad organizations and helping them get the most from GIS. Yeah, you've, you've come with a few questions on railroad stuff. And it's pretty interesting on like the different uh, issues that pop up when you deal with railroads and GIS and stuff like that, and trying to map that out and different things you might want to do with that stuff in an app. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is, uh, particularly because, um, you know, for years I've been doing GIS and everything is nice and uh, a lot of geographic fidelity, everything's nice and georeferenced. But railroads like that stuff, but they also love schematic mapping and what they call track charts where everything's mapped out in a schematic diagram uh, or in straight line diagrams to map stuff out where the, the geography isn't as important as uh, the relative uh, position of things, not whether it be trains or just where their assets are located and such. So, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun working with railroads, a lot of streaming data, trains moving around. Uh, it's 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 fun. <laughs> I guess there's a lot of like uh, geometric network stuff probably that they're still using uh, for that, right? Like if you uh, uh, want to start moving trains from one track to another and have different ways, scenarios, I guess, right? That's kind of cool. Yeah, topological networks. Yeah, people are moving on from ge uh, geometric networks to uh, the utility network. We also have kind of a light utility network called trace networks where you can do some basic tracing and routing stuff. Um, and, uh, and also for railroads that are commuter rail or in the Northeast Corridor where they're electric powered either with a third rail or overhead catenary power where you want to uh, use utility network to manage the electric utility uh, part of it also with the tracks and, and wayside equipment. Yeah, so what got you in Ezra? I mean, 28 years. I mean, what, she said 94, right? So yeah. how, how did you end up at Esri? Oh, okay. Well, you know, I think a lot of us have a similar story. When we were kids, we loved maps and we we're map geeks and atlases and and stuff like that and um after college i was in the army for a while where i did a lot with maps and land navigation and moving units and soldiers around uh so i wanted when i went back to school i wanted to study geography and uh at nights i worked uh, for an electric utility uh, where we would take map changes that the field crews did during the day and we would update the gis on the third shift in the middle of the night <laughs> and then we would make maps for the crews the next morning and mostly it was printing maps and putting them on clipboards uh, so that the crews had maps the next day and then um, i got a job as a town planner uh, updating a master plan of development for the town oh, wow. and when i did that i was actually using arc info and i really liked the tool set and i said to myself you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna see if i can get a job at esri for a couple of years learn as much as possible and then go back into into planning but i just i guess i forgot to leave ezra's a great <laughs> company i love i love working there uh so i just i just i just stayed and um i love the idealism you know the guy that owns the company jack he's 
he's real idealistic about what the technology does to help people and help the world. And and I think a lot of companies start with an ideal, but they sometimes maybe lose that idealism or water it down. Yeah. Uh, but that that guy is still extremely idealistic. I think anyone that's at Esri for a couple of years or more has to kind of buy into that idealism. So when you hit good times or bad times doing your job, you always have that to fall back on uh, to say, well, you know, there is a bigger picture of what we're doing here and it helps kind of move things forward. Great people. These are some of the most talented people in the world. Uh, anyone will drop anything to help anyone with anything. Yep. I just like the collaborative nature of the environment. And they have allowed me to move around every few years going into something else. Like I only started getting into railroads back in um, 2016. Yeah. Before that, I did not know anything about it. So I was able to kind of stretch into different areas. So that helped too. So I'll add all that stuff together. And I just, I, I dig this company and what it does. And I like being here. Yeah, the collaboration part's great because like I'll, uh, people will contact me that I've never met before, but like, oh, uh, so-and-so said that you might be the person to talk to. I'm working with this customer or something, and they've got questions. That's great, because I, I can definitely help out when I can, which is awesome. If I can't, usually I can help direct them to someone that can, right? So there's no, like, closed-door policies in terms of, like, uh, you have to go through someone to ask someone a question kind of thing, which is really cool. I dig that a lot. Yeah, it's hard to find an org chart. Um, Esri kind of likes to operate as teams of teams and a lot of sideways collaboration. And um, and where we treat, you know, our users are a family too. Like, Renee, I met you when you were a user. Exactly. And I was at Esri. And, um, and, you know, you were fun to talk to. Every time I talked to you, I learned something new. And, um, you know, kind of our working relationship now that you're at Esri to me, doesn't feel any different than our working relationship when you were were uh, in the user community, yeah. uh, and that you know there's there's not a hard line between the two. So that's that's kind of that's cool. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was see, it's been almost twenty years. I want to say right. I mean, I must have met you around two thousand two, two thousand four, around there somewhere. Um, the yes. early days of the GeoDev meetups, where you uh, you guys would go around to different cities. And organized small meetups for the developer community. They weren't really even developer communities, really. It was just user communities, but but I think there were a lot of developers involved in those cases. And those were really fun because like the LA one had people from uh, like Department of Regional Planning, Public Works. Um, there was a couple of people that were professors like at USC and UCLA that would show up, talk about all the cool stuff they were working on. And yeah, it was just a really great uh, way to like get in touch with other people doing really cool things that you might not see on a regular basis, right? Which is awesome. I really enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, those were fun. They kind of grew out of, um, I mean, Esri's always done a good job of exposing APIs along with the off-the-shelf stuff so the developers can get at the components uh, to one degree or another. And then um, there, was a, there was a developer SIG at our user conference in San Diego one year, and then that grew into the developer summit that, that we now do yeah. every year in Summer Springs. I think 18 years now is uh, the one oh, that's wow. coming up, so it's been a <laughs> while. And then we said, well, there's got to be a way to kind of extend uh, support for developer community through the year. Uh, so now we have two dev summits, one in March and one in that just they held it just last week in Berlin. Yep. And um, and then the developer meetups around the country. Now, we haven't been doing a lot. Hardly, I don't 
think we've done any of those for a few years, mainly because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. But I've heard that I'm not involved in that anymore, but I hear they're going to be spinning up here pretty soon yeah, as well. It's just a, a nice evening event. Get some lightning talks, meet some people, and yeah. um, it's good to interact with the community and learn something new. I really dig that a lot, especially at developer summits. The uh, the lightning talks are always a lot of fun, uh, especially when they're from the users, right? I remember my first year when I, I joined Esri, uh, I wanted to do a lightning talk, and they were like, well, you're not really a user anymore, so uh you really can't be doing lightning talks and i was like oh okay that's fine all right but again it's fun it's cool when i was a user i did tons of user presentations and lightning talks and stuff and i think it's great to get them involved in stuff like that which is really awesome yeah that was great about you renee you could always hand you a microphone <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have something to share was, your your talks were always really popular so i was really happy when you came when you came on board it was fun it's been a great time i think i've been here close to It'll be eight years in March, I believe, for me. So, yeah. Wow. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, what kind of uh, are common questions you get from users out there that uh, you think are pretty pertinent today? Um, users, uh, mainly about how to, like, my role as a solution engineer is um, I'm kind of in pre-sales now, although I do a lot of support of our existing users and help them grow their use of GIS. So I get a lot of how-to stuff. Um, I started way back in the day at Esri. My first job was in tech support, um, supporting a product called ArcView version one. <laughs> and um, so what I found in my years at Esri, it's like everyone's in sales and everyone's in tech support. Yeah. So even though even though I'm a solution engineer in pre-sales, I'm still doing a lot of how-to kind of questions. There's other que also questions about when are you guys gonna support this? Or when is this gonna be added? And um, that, those are always cool because a lot of what these products are driven by users, you know, uh, talking about them. Um, so those are from users. I also get a lot of questions from students and folks that are interviewing for jobs kind of in the GIS space. So I have my kind of canned, quick, concise <laughs> answers of things that I... Not that I'm some like sage that knows be better than everyone, but it's just these are things that I just say to myself. I wish someone had told me this. Yeah. I wish someone had given me this advice. It could have been useful. So I just want to kind of give that advice to to, uh, to others. I mean, yeah, you've definitely got that experience under your belt, so it's really valuable, right? When a you know a user comes to you with questions like that, especially on the like hiring, right? Every now and then I'll see someone ask like, "Hey, I've got an interview with uh, tech support or something at Esri." Um, what is that like or something? And people, there are a lot of people that you know move on from tech support into other roles that has re-evolved in either development or product engineers or working on different products and whatnot. So it's a really a great way to get started. And the tech support folks, you know, respect to them, they have to know a lot of different things because the questions that come through the pipeline are are never easy. There, there's a reason that someone's calling tech support because they got a, a tricky question of some sort so they definitely have to kind of have hats uh, for all different roles when they're doing that <laughs> I, I do encourage um i'm a big fan of tech support because it's the fastest way to learn the most because you learn what it's supposed to do you also learn the various ways that it breaks yeah. and how to get around those things so you know you probably learn 40 things in a week that just being out using the software you might learn, learn two or three <laughs> Um, and then 
but because it ends up being a lot of a lot of folks it's it's kind of an entry level position so they get intimidated saying how can i know more about these people that are calling me that have been using this for many years and i would always tell them it's not your job to to know more it's your job to get to the right resources and to do troubleshooting and be a good yeah, communicator exactly and just just stick with them just let them know stick with them until the problem is resolved in some way and that automatically uh you know puts you a few few steps forward but when folks yeah people like renee people ask me the same thing about interviewing and you know i've, I've hired a lot of people at esri and the and the resumes come in that are just laundry lists of software and acronyms and certifications and all the hard skills which are, are important but i tell people you know the soft skills are at least as important yeah. um because when you sit across from an interviewer um you know communication is is there want to get the feel for how can you learn because your hard skills are going to be are perishable it's yeah. more about are you going to be able to learn new stuff and then I said, you know, if you remember nothing else, remember this piece that I'm about to tell you now, that when you're sitting there across from someone interviewing you, the question that's in their mind is, is this person going to make my life easier or harder? Yeah. So everything you tell them, uh, just, you know, just try to impress upon them that, you know, what what skills and what abilities you bring to the table that's going to make things easier not only the person that you're interviewing with, but for, for the team. Yeah, exactly. Now, I think that's something people need to keep in mind too, is that you're not just, when you're interviewing in for a role, you're not just interviewing for the role, you're interviewing for a role on the team. And and most of all, when I end up doing interviews, and you know, everyone does them slightly differently, but I'm really more interested in, are you going to be able to learn? And I'd much rather have someone tell me, you know, strip that they don't know something, but guide me in how they would figure it out i'm really much more interested in how are you going to get the answer at some point down the road that's mostly what i'm looking for in that case yeah i mean th those kind of skills never perish yeah you know some api you're using that skill is going to perish but but the skills of figuring out where the resources are how to fight the right find the right person how to build the right relationships <laughs> so that's why you end up seeing a lot of tech support people then filter out throughout the rest of esri as their careers move on because well, they're a known quantity. You, uh, they know the product. They know how to solve problems, and um, and it's just a, a natural natural growth path for a lot of folks. Awesome, awesome. All right, Jim. I want to be respectful of your time here. But if you have any tips or tricks for listeners out there, anything at all, doesn't have to be GIS related whatsoever. If you don't want to. Uh, yes, and this this is tech related, but also you can use it in life. Um, I think one of the best lessons I learned here is before I came to Ezra, I was always afraid of trying something and failing at it. And sometimes it would cause me to, to kind of get a little bit of inertia. Uh, but then a few years ago, we had a guy who was a keynote speaker at Dev Summit. I don't know if you remember this. Chris Wanstroth was one of the founders of GitHub. That's right. And he talked about, you know, everything that they built and all that, you know, he's a very talented guy and, 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 you know, but the thing that struck me most about his talk was his absolute fearlessness when it came to failure. Like he treated failure as just a temporary bump towards success. You know, he would say, well, we tried this and we built this and then that failed. And then we grabbed this and we moved on and built something else. And he would say it so matter of factly. And ever since that day, I was like, yes, right. You know, do your best. 
and it might fail, but you don't, you learn more from not knowing, you learn more from being wrong, and you learn more from failure than you do from being right. And if you embrace that concept, that I think that's the best advice I can give, not only in the tech space, but just in life in general. That's awesome. Awesome, Jim. Appreciate that. All right, Jim. Well, thank you very much for your time. And I will talk to you later. Yeah, good talking to you, Renee. See ya. Thank you for listening to The Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.